to EST. If you love the established church, this is the place to have conversations about why the established church matters, how to better serve her, and to hear stories every week about how God is using the church for His glory and our good. The show is hosted each week by Sam Rayner, Josh King, and Micah Fries. We're glad you're here. Hey, what's up? Welcome to another episode of EST, the podcast for established church leaders by established church leaders. My name is Josh King, and I have a very special co-host on the show right now. Mike and Sam are not on this one, so uh, apologies for those of you who are huge uh, Sam fans, Micah fans. I know you are. Anyways, uh, Josh Ermler is a good friend of mine and a pastor in the great state of California. Josh, how's it going today, man? Man, I'm glad to be on the show. It's uh, it's, it's been a it's been a minute since I've been on, but it's good to be back. I'm I'm glad to glad to be with uh, your folks here. Yeah, we're so glad that you are. Now, um, it is two thirty ish in the afternoon here in Arkansas. What time is it there? I'm always confused on time. Yeah, zones. we're about two hours uh, behind you, so it's about twelve thirty. It's like lunch. Five our time. Yeah, 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 right in the middle of it. Yeah, you're st- stealing my lunch a little bit away. Uh, but it gave me gives me a chance for a minute to kind of go through, check up my social media and stuff, and try cool. to grab a lunch, you know, for a few minutes. Speaking of which, speaking of which, um, yeah. this might be interesting to your to your audience. I, I kind of had something. I had a question for him, to be honest. Um, okay. I was going through. It was going through my my feed here, and uh, I saw a post. In fact, it was one you had put out there, and I was kind of in a quandary on how to handle these type ones. Have you ever been going through your feed and you see like a friend, a pastor friend, a ministry friend, or something, and they post a picture of like say their wife uh-huh. uh, online? Do you know what I'm yeah. talking about? Or are you, I do because I did that this morning. <laughs> yeah, I know. I noticed that, <laughs> and uh, for about three or four seconds, I'm sitting here. I never know what to do when one of my buddies puts a picture of their you wife. You can't like that. Something like I know exactly. That's what. I was my point. I'm like, what do you do? Do you like it? Do you love it? Do you put like some type of fist bump emoji? Like I right. always had a little bit of a quandary on what do you do? And so I don't know, maybe, yeah. maybe your community could give us some feedback on what yeah. the appropriate response, you know, when, when a buddy puts up a picture of his, of his wife and uh, uh-huh. an emoji with a, a little heart emoji or something. Heart emoji. Uh, right. Yeah. Y- yeah. So Josh is specifically talking about a, uh, you know, by the time this airs, this will be a couple weeks old. So you can't find oh, it. That's but true. the, uh, that's true. That's true. yeah. So I posted a picture of my wife this morning. She had spoken. She had spoke in the press tense at an event and it was a good picture of her. And so I, I said, whoa, mama or something like that with like eyeball heart emojis and stuff yeah. like that. And so, uh, yeah, twitter.com uh, slash EST church. What's the appropriate response when a preacher friend, a buddy yeah. post a picture of his spouse, obviously saying she's beautiful. Um, Cause yeah, you can't heart it. What are you saying? Yeah. Your wife's hot. You can't yeah. say that. You can't exactly. say that. It's ridiculous. Exactly. And so I know mine, I, I, you, I actually spent probably five seconds of my life this morning looking at the post <laughs> thinking, okay, do I post something like way to go? It, it looks like you found a Proverbs 31 lady there. I, you know, so finally I just gave up and we scrolled past and there was yeah. no like, no heart, no comment. No. Right. Phone. Right. Little, yeah. Little known fact. The first time I saw Jackie, I was totally attracted to her righteousness. That's, that's, that's exactly awesome. the, the thought I had. Amen. Yeah. That's yeah, that's, it's not true. That's what a, what a great man of God you are. <laughs> Thank you, man of God. All right. So, um, we're going to talk about, uh, well, first, we got to tell them about you. So far, you just have a great first name, but you are the pastor <laughs> of Fresno Church, Fresno, California. 
you've been there for 12 years, established church, established church pastor. That's what we like to have on the show is, is pastors who have some experience. These aren't just, we're not theorizing here. This is what we do every day, all day. We're pastors. So how are you loving that church? Yeah, we love it. The The church itself is about 30 years old. And so I came in, you know, after about 20 years, um, it was a smaller congregation that was voted in by uh, about 35 folks or so. And uh, they had a little a little building about four or 5,000 square feet uh, on a property that had 12 parking spots. And that's kind of where we started. Uh, we after a while, we did some renovations. Then we went to multiple services. We eventually moved campuses, and and uh, you know, so we're excited about what God's done, you know, over the last few years. But uh, yeah, definitely, it's it's there's some unique challenges that go into stepping into a a work that's already been established, and and how you move through that process, I think, is really interesting. Yeah, and every time I talk to Josh, whom you and I met, what. I mean, I was like a sophomore or junior in high school. Yeah, that's high a long school, time ago. Yes. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Like, yeah. Christian camp. Yeah. Right. A lot of years ago. And then we kind of, our, you know, pads kind of drifted and then we got reappointed a few years back and things. So it's mm-hmm. been, it's, it's, that's been really cool. Yeah. Very interesting. And every time I talk to Josh, there are a number of resources that you're involved in, a number of things that you're doing, which I always find fascinating, cool things um, that are happening over there. One of them, that I just found out about is called freeministrytools.com. Um, freeministrytools.com is a resource where you can sign up for uh, like a, what do you call it? Newsletter type of thing. And yeah, then basically uh, you get all it's a weekly newsletter. Things. Yeah. Yeah. Basically every week, if somebody signs up, we've got a lot of friends and connections. And uh, basically what we'll do is we'll send you a free resource or tool that you can use in your ministry every week. So it might be, you know, uh, an annual subscription for like a website or it might be, you know, a subscription to social media graphics, you know, or a sermon media player that you can plug into your website. Just every week it's a different resource, a different tool. Yeah. And it's always 100% free. Yeah. And I'm looking at it right now. There's a one up for Get 90 Social Media Graphics, Photoshop and JPEG. Uh, that's a phenomenal resource and they're sharp too. I'm looking through some of them. Um, very, very clean, uh, nice looking graphics. And so that's just the kind of thing that, uh, Josh is involved in checking out. Go, so go check it out. Freeministrytools.com slash home. Uh, you'll get signed up for that. And, uh, um, hopefully I also want to hear about a little bit, just, I mean, a plug about idea network, but we could talk about that in just a minute. Let's talk about, um, sort of turning a corner on the year end, you know, you've got Thanksgiving, which at the time of recording, this is next week, a week from today is Thanksgiving. Mm -hmm. And then, uh, then you got Christmas, Christmas Eve, all that kind of stuff, but you've got, you know, January's coming. Let's talk a little bit about that. And how do you stay focused? Yeah. Well, first of all, man, does it just seem like every year that goes by, it just goes faster and faster. I I just feel like we just started, you know, 2019 and here we are already, you know, looking at the Christmas season and I'm just, the older I get and I'm, I'm just kind of just right now getting ready to push 40. So, you know, but I just feel like every year that goes by, you're just like, it goes faster and faster and then watching the kids grow up. So I, I think, you know, planning becomes that much more important, you know, it's just, you know, ministry gets big 
busy and there's so many things on pastors' plates and uh, ministry leaders, all the things they have to juggle. And I, I feel like a good a good um, plan, uh, a good you know strategy can really help you to maximize you know your ministry efficiency and effectiveness uh, with life being so crazy and so busy. And so I, I think it's I think it's a wise thing to kind of lean into. Yeah, I think that a lot of us just focus on the holidays and, you know, you're just you're just doing everything you can to make that um, executed well, you know, get everybody there. Then you've got your personal stuff and you don't even think about how you can maximize January, February. Those kind of slip by. And then next thing you know, you're just got to work on Easter. So um, what do you think? What at Fresno Church, do you guys have anything big in January, February, like the beginning of the year? You know what? In January, I like to do what we call a vision Sunday. That's kind of a Sunday where we look forward. Um, in August, I'll do a state of the church, and that's an opportunity for us to look back. So it's kind of every six months or so, we try to have a, a service that really reinforces our DNA. And so we've chosen, you know, at this season for, you know, August to be the time where we look back over what God's done over the last previous 12 months. And then January is a time for us to look forward and, and talk about what we're going to emphasize and focus on strategically as a church, you know. And so we'll usually take a Sunday and, and do something like that. Typically, the second Sunday of the year because the first Sunday a lot of people are still traveling and stuff and so um, the second Sunday we'll just kind of emphasize that so this year we're really continuing to lean in to our discipleship emphasis our one-on-one discipleship kind of focus and spiritual formation and so that's really going to be the the major emphasis of our vision Sunday uh, in 2020 I like it I do we are um we are going to be doing uh for our faith our extended faith family the the Southern Baptist we've got a thing that a lot of churches were doing last year and I'm always slow to the party it's called who's your one and it's oh, okay. just yeah, sort I of like a, good stuff. yeah an evangelism sort of uh emphasis or series four weeks long you kind of really emphasizing people to identify somebody that needs to be a part of the church or a part of um, the faith family and then you are emphasizing that encouraging them holding them accountable we're going to do that in february so we've started working on it now in november um with just publicity pieces how we're going to execute the different elements of it we're just building upon that framework so i'm pretty excited about that and something because we're already looking past we're we're in november and we're working on uh, February of next year. So I think it's very important to always, and that has a lot of implement, uh, you know, checkpoints in January as well. So there's a lot of things that we need to focus on there. So I think it's good. So how do you have, how do you go ahead? Sorry. I was just going to ask, do you have any time where you kind of get together maybe personally or as a staff and try to lay out kind of uh, 40,000 foot view of your upcoming year, um, you know, as far as scheduling and maybe calendar and, and things along those lines. Yeah, we'll do it twice a year. Um, and we'll try okay. to go at least eight months out. So there's an overlap there. And, uh, and yeah, we do those giant kind of pictures there. Cause one of the things that we're really worried about is, um, I don't know, communication or what you might call publicity. And so you might have, I don't know, like a big event in say month three and you have a bunch of small events in month two and you you end up hurting big event because you've got all these little events that are kind of sucking publicity time or stage time or sign up um, attention away from that. So we really want to be very aware 
of how we're communicating things, when we're asking people to sign up for things. A lot of churches are very good about, you know, you can't both be in the fellowship hall on that night, right? I mean, exactly, that makes sense. Yeah, but they don't really think through double booking the uh, registration time. Like, hey, register wow. for these 18 events, you know? And so, exactly. Yeah. So, that's something that we really focus on on those points. How about y'all? Do y'all do a planning like that? Yeah. In about August, we try to get with our staff and uh, each kind of um, director or coordinator will kind of propose uh, their annual plan. So, basically, for their particular ministry, they're going to look at a few areas and, and they're just going to talk through. Primarily, they're they're looking at kind of a few areas that we look at is, you know, ministry expansion. So in their area of ministry, what are some things they want to add? Um, you know, what do they want to add to to their ministries? Now, kind of what's assumed in our culture along with that is if you're going to add something to your ministry, you also have to take something away. And mm-hmm. I, I, I find that a lot of times what happens is we add, we add, we add, but because we never subtract, the ministry just becomes very bloated. And all of a sudden, there's just, you know, all of this, you know, busyness and resources that are being sucked into things that just no longer are fulfilling the purpose they once did. So, you know, what are some new things you're going to do and kind of assumed along those, what are you going to stop doing? And mm-hmm. then we have a section on capital expenditures. You know, what are some things in your ministry that, um, you know, we're going to have to make sure are in the budget. And so, you know, we, we've always defined capital expenditures as things that'll last more than three years and costs over $300. So, you know, um, that's kind of, and every ministry probably will have their own benchmark on what, you know, constitutes a, a capital expenditure, but that's just kind of the way we've done it. And then anything less than that or that'll last less just kind of comes from a different line item in the budget. Uh, the third area they kind of focus on is staff additions, you know, and in some ministries, that's not staff as much as it's volunteers. What are some positions? What are some roles that you're wanting to add? And in some cases, it is, it, it is actually, you know, paid staff, you know. Mm-hmm. And then the last area is just has to do with facilities. So in their ministry, what are what are some facility goals that they have? Maybe improving a children's room. Maybe it is something as big as, you know, a remodel or an addition or something like mm-hmm. that. And so they'll basically go through and, and make some goals, um, some plans in each of those. And that's kind of more high end. I mean, obviously, you're not getting into the nitty gritty there of, you know, putting dates and uh, time frames and, and specifics necessarily. Um, mm-hmm. That just kind of gives them a chance to kind of look holistically at where they're at, where they're going, you know, for the upcoming 12 months. Yeah. And I think that for our topic today, uh, when you're rounding the corner there at the end of the year into the next year, then this whole idea of planning well in, in advance, and you mm-hmm. guys are doing a meeting in August that's going far past January, of course. So you need to kind of be aware um, so that you can round that corner. Same thing with us when we do our two times mm-hmm. a year, we're going out far enough that we're laying some groundwork because in the middle of this, when you're already in the throes of getting ready for Christmas and end of year giving, those sort of things, that's not really the time to try to put some of this stuff together. Exactly. It it can't be. But I will say, you know, it's, it's better to do something than nothing at all. So the guy's sitting there right now and he's like, Oh man, it's, you know, the middle of December and I don't have anything. I think it's still better to at least, you know, start some process rather than do nothing at all. You know, if, if, if you, if at all possible. 
You know, I've for a long time in my ministry, I don't usually preach the first Sunday of the year. Um, I find that it's a great Sunday to let somebody else preach or get a guest speaker in. Um, Do you have any Sundays like that? (laughs) Yeah. The Sunday in between Christmas and New Year's definitely falls into that category. Um, We always joke about the fact that on Memorial Day weekend, it could also be called, you know, um, youth pastors turn to preach uh, Mm -hmm. and, you know, things along those lines. So we we definitely would have a a few weeks where, you know, um, I would typically not be speaking. But the other thing we have going for us, too, is we, we kind of use the teaching team model and mm-hmm. so I, I probably teach, um, I don't know, either between half of the Sunday mornings to two thirds of the Sunday mornings, um, is probably where I would be at. And then we have another teaching pastor that would take, um, you know, a quarter of the services. And then, you know, we have two other guys that would kind of take the rest. And so that would kind of, that would be how some of that would, you know, fall together for us. I like that. So what are some other ways that um, our listeners could, you know, round the corner, could finish out one year great and then begin into the next year from your perspective? One of the things that I found really interesting, and I've done this for several years, but it's called a SWOT analysis. Are you familiar with this at all, Josh? Have you you heard of this? I have. Yeah. Remind me. uh, I have found for us, it's more... It's it's a more of an evaluation tool. So uh, S stands for strengths, W stands for weaknesses, O stands for opportunities, T technically stands for threats. And how we define that is, you know, we would have each one of our guys during our planning session, one of the things they would do is like we said earlier, they would go through and look at some ways they're going to advance their ministry in those areas. But this is more an opportunity for us to also evaluate and look back. And so they would, you know, a person who's in charge of the ministry or one of the pastors, they would say, okay, what are the strengths of the ministry I'm overseeing? What are internal things that we're doing well? And they would make a list, almost like a praise report. And these are things that are, these are things that are, you know, internal to our organization, internal to our ministry that's going well. And, uh, you know, they'll start, you know, just writing them out, you know, and then at the planner meeting, they'll share those things. And the weaknesses are areas that are internal to their ministry that they are admitting are not where they want them to be. You know, they're just saying, hey, we we have these ideals, we have this place we're trying to get to, but it's not there yet, you know? And so we'll have them evaluate, you know, what are some of the weaknesses internal to each of the ministries? Opportunities are, are opportunities that currently are outside of the ministry, things that maybe are not being leveraged, whether we're talking about the churches as a whole or within a specific ministry, we look at what are the opportunities that our church has that maybe we're not leveraging, you know, um, they're out there. We could capitalize on them, you know, uh, you know, like for us right now, we're in an area, uh, that's highly Hispanic, a lot of Spanish speaking individuals. Well, we don't currently have a Spanish service or uh, Spanish ministry. And so that might be an opportunity that we're not currently, um, you know, you know, utilizing. And so we might put that down when we're talking about it. And then threats is kind of a strong word, but basically it just means it's areas that are external to the ministry. They're not necessarily weaknesses in the sense they're not, you know, internal, they're external, they're things from the outside. It could be the economy, you know, that could, you know, play into some of this. It, It could be, you know, something 
in your community's demographic. Um, but they're threats that would keep either the church at large or a particular ministry that's to some degree outside of its control. And, and I think the reason you want to identify those things is not that you can change them, but it's good to be aware to know how to to navigate some of that. So uh, the SWOT analysis has been a tool that we've kind of used to help us evaluate a little bit more effectively uh, along with, you know, making some goals and plans as we move into the future. And I think it's been helpful for us to become very self-aware as a ministry as we utilize that. And do you guys do that? When do you do this? November, December? Uh, this is usually in August, you okay. know, as we're looking forward uh, to the coming year. So in August, we're putting together a plan for the coming, you know, January through December, you know, so it, mm. it you know, and, and I, like, and I think it's important to say these plans that we have, these are the ideals. And then there's always the real, right? You know, you talk to a pastor or ministry leader and they're always going to give you, you know, best case scenario, you know, and what's the ideal. But then it, you know, it comes right down to it. There is just what's real. And so all that to say, sometimes the real for us is that it doesn't happen in August. And there have been a year or two where all of a sudden, you know, we're pushing November and it's like, oh, this hasn't been done yet. So that, that the real is that it can happen, you know, anytime, but mm-hmm. ideally we like to, we like to try to do that around the August timeframe. With this topic, you know what I'm, I'm curious about, and I've been thinking about this a lot lately, uh, talking with our executive pastor about this idea, but end of year giving and uh, yeah. talking about the end of the year. What do you guys do, if anything, uh, to kind of coordinate with that? Do you do a special emphasis? I know some folks don't want to mention it. Some people think it's dirty because, you know, essentially what you're emphasizing when you do that is a tax write-off. That's sort of the idea there. Now we can mm-hmm. act like it's generosity with Christmas, yeah. but it's end of year. It's not Christmas offering you're talking about. You're talking about end of year offering, meaning get it in before yeah. this date and then you can yeah. have a tax write-off. Do you guys talk about that or do you know churches that do? What, what's your thought on that? Yeah, we we did a couple things. So there's two different ways we've gone through that. We have at times do a actual Christmas, we call it a Christmas offering, you know, mm-hmm. end of the year, whatever you want to call it. But, you know, we've had times and we don't do, we don't really do it super strong. We'll make up some envelopes and basically say, Hey, if you'd like to make an extra gift, you know, as, as we, you know, end the year, feel free to do that. And literally it's one announcement and um, the week before, and we'll put an envelope in, in the service program. And then the next week we collect it. So it's, it's, it's nothing more than that. Um, but we've had every once in a while when we feel like, oh, maybe that's getting a little bit old. We'll, we'll do something else where there are some folks who maybe wouldn't want to give an actual, um, you know, financial gift, but they, they'd love to be involved in, in giving something a material gift. And we've had times where we'll put out a Christmas tree in the lobby with a, a bunch of little ornaments on it. And each ornament had, say, a, um, something that the ministry could use to kind of help it move forward. And, uh, you know, somebody could go up to the tree, grab the ornament with whatever the item is. And we would have items, mm-hmm. you know, that would be anywhere from $5 to $5,000, you know, on that. And basically they pull it off and, uh, you know, then they would actually give that physical item. So it's, it's not where necessarily, you know, you're just going to end up with, you know, some grandma's old sofa couch, you know, that right. was in their basement, you know, 
for you know the last five years because of specific things. And and I found that it's interesting how some people who would never want to maybe make a cash donation, uh, they they very well you know purchase something that could be used for ministry purposes and things. So mm-hmm. we, we kind of go back and forth between those two things, and some years we just won't do anything, you know. So just try to keep it varied up a little bit. Huh. A couple of things that we've done uh, along those same lines is I started to notice you've got uh, a lot of churches will do an end of your missions offering or Christmas missions offering. Um, mm-hmm. And that's a big emphasis in their church. Then like you're talking about there with the tree, some some churches, you know, they have an angel tree or okay. um, we have a tradition here at at our church and in our community, there's a local sort of what we call the Conway Ministry Center, which mainly serves uh, the homeless, uh, those sort of um, down and out, the least of these types of ministries. They will regularly put out a um, – they'll do this Christmas tree, and it's similar to what you're talking about there. And so, you can get an ornament off and it'll say a sleeping bag or um, a generator or a heater or oh, pay an electricity bill, those sort of things. Um, what else? Okay. A lot of churches will do Operation Christmas Child Shoe Boxes. Mm -hmm. Um, so what we started to discover was on top of all the Christmas gifts that you're going to do for your family, right? And then you've got the Christmas offering and then you've got a a tree and then you've got shoe boxes. It was just so, so much. So this last year and for several years with different aspects of that, We've tried to break all of that off of Christmas. So we did the tree thing for the local ministry center um, in July. And so we, we called it Christmas in July and um, we did the cool. tree. I love it. Um, actually reaped in or pulled in far more than we ever did in years past because it was just, it was July. It wasn't wow. conflicting with those mm-hmm. sort of things. And we did a yeah. whole like, um, you could, you could, uh, put pink flamingos in people's yards, you know, and all sorts of things to just raise awareness for that. That was fun. I've moved our missions offerings, um, at all the churches I've pastored, the two churches I've pastored, I've moved their missions offerings off of Christmas and put it on Easter. Um, so another thing that's just not conflicting with that sort of thing. And, uh, the shoe boxes are in November. So we've tried to pull everything because I find you know, whether it's sinful or not, we're pastors of actual normal real people, right? They're not saints like we're not saints. And yep, exactly. uh, and the priority around Christmas time is presence for family. That's, that's, that's the reality of life there. So, that's what mm-hmm. they're doing. So, if you hit those other times like Easter and uh, July, you, you actually raise more money. At least that's my experience. We've raised more. Now, I know wow. some churches that their missions offering at Christmas time is huge, like massive. Mm-hmm. And that's traditional what they do. So, that's good, you know. And so, we've made an emphasis now. Uh, instead, it's just end of your giving. Um, and so, we're sending out a letter that talks about, um, you know, end of your giving, what that means. Also, here's how you would um, invest or transfer stocks. Uh, here's what you would do with your retirement because um, there's certain retirement laws for people of certain ages that they could actually be save themselves taxes if they allocate some of the money. Uh, towards the charity. And uh, and then here's kind of the instructions on how to give so that you get it in on time. And so, we're kind of like really pushing towards that end of your giving because we've broken off all the other things that you would normally ask for. But it's not that we're not doing it. We're just doing it at a more effective time 
for that season. Exactly. So. Wow, I think that's so, so just on the one hand, smart, but it's also very considerate, you know, uh, with your church family recognizing, you know, that there is certain, you know, priorities and certain obligations that they have at certain seasons uh, of the calendar year and try to work within those rhythms. I think it's just, mm-hmm. I think it's smart and I think it's just very, you know, thoughtful. Yeah, it's kind of helpful. And, uh, and even, you know, personally with the whole, you know, I'm, I'm trying to buy presents for my, and I want to lead out and be in the, and at Easter time, just budget wise, it's a lot easier for me to budget in that way. You know, the other thing about Easter is that we have no problem at all of our Easter services, uh, encouraging every single person, all of the people who are guests, all of the people who haven't been to our church since Christmas, you know, all of them to give generously and sacrificially because we give the entire offering away every dime that comes in is going to missions. It's going, it's leaving our campus. Really? And so it's going to do disaster relief, church planning, adoption care, wow. all these kind of things is what it's going to do. So that's another way that you'll have people who never go to church, but they're like, yeah, I yep. mean, I'll give for those things, you know? So that's, um, good. that's just a, that's really, really good. Something we've stumbled upon is I would encourage churches and stuff to break off some of it's mm-hmm. just, so, so much on top of them. Mm-hmm. And so, of course, you're going to yield less results on those efforts. Yeah. So. And, and on top of that, there's a bunch of other organizations that are, you know, utilizing that time to also, mm. you know, ask for donations. So, it's not even just your local contacts at your local church there. I mean, it's, you know, it's everybody. So, you know, just being able to be aware of that, I could, I could see that. And I love what you said about the Easter offering, because you're right, you have all these visitors and if you're doing an offering, but that almost is the best of both worlds, because if you're giving it all away, then you totally eliminate any, you know, judgment from either a visitor or somebody who hasn't been there for a while, you know, because mm-hmm. you're basically saying, Hey, we're, we're, we're just forwarding this to, you know, these ministries. I, and I think that's really smart. We're going to have to, we're going to have to look at some of that ourselves and see how that could fit in our context. I like that. Yeah. We've really seen that sort of level of generosity where, you know, as guests are coming in, we are, we are preaching and living out generosity at that point. We're literally, we're giving away an entire, you know, week's offering. Which would be the equivalent of, you know, telling every person to give away an entire week of pay. Just, you know, put a whole yeah, paycheck exactly. in there. And, you know, that would be, in fact, as I'm saying that out loud right now, I'm thinking that may be the way I brand that next year. That may be the way I tell them to give an entire week of pay. We're giving it all away. Yeah. So, uh, so cool, That's man. Awesome. Um, we've got just a little bit more time. I want to hear a little bit about the idea network and how you're involved in that. I think our listeners, some of them would love it. I've enjoyed uh, what little bits I've been a part of. So, What's your uh, elevator pitch on Idea Network? Idea Network is an opportunity for guys to sit around a table and have the type of conversations, Josh, that you and I are having right now uh, with a with a medium sized group of people. And so we offer several events. Um, we have our smallest events called Idea Night. It's a it's a two hour simulcast. Um, the last one we did in um, September. Tom Rayner was our keynote speaker, and so he simulcasted into locations in every state around the country. And for two hours, uh, we had conversations um, regarding some different topics. And so that was really, really neat. And then we have another event called Idea Day. And so rather than it just being two hours 
Um, these are these are regional events that we'll do on the West Coast and the Midwest, and for an entire day, uh, we'll get around and we'll bring in three or four guys to talk for like ten minutes, do like a TED talk to kind of get um, a subject or theme rolling, and then we'll spend the following forty five minutes just talking about that idea. And so we try to pick subjects that are real pertinent to what, you know, people are facing right now. And so um, we have conversations that are methodological in nature. So if people are looking for creative ideas, you know, when it comes to church, and we also have theological roundtables, you know, where we're, we're discussing things that are more philosophical and theological in nature, you know, and trying to unpack some things that are, you know, hitting our society, um, you know, right now. And so those are regional events that happen in a day. And then we have some conferences that we do as well. And those happen about once a year. Um, next year, we're going to be having uh, Carrie Newhoff. Uh, keynote for that. And, uh, so that's a, that'll be a couple day event that, um, we'll have. And, and basically, I think what makes it unique is all the, all the sessions or talks are always limited to about 10 minutes, uh, the, the length of like a TED talk. And the most, the majority of the time is taken up with breaking up into small groups and having conversations with, you know, other ministry leaders on those topics. And so I think that's, that's kind of what, what would make the idea network unique. And so, and then we do have online, uh, platform, you know, through a Facebook page where, you know, we're having these conversations and they're getting played out, you know, online on a regular basis as well and, and things. But that, that would kind of be, be what idea network is in a nutshell. I love it. And um, I've connected primarily through the Facebook page. What's another, what's the main way to connect with Idea Network? I, I would encourage them just to, you can go to ideanetwork.church and that will start that process, you know, where you can look around and see what we have to offer. But I would maybe just jump on the Facebook page as well and start connecting with some of those guys. And uh, that's just that uh, Idea Network and that's right there uh, on on Facebook. And uh, so yep. that's another way to kind of connect in a in a more personal way. Absolutely, it really is helpful. Something that I've benefited from, as I have with this conversation. Josh, thanks so much for being on the show today. Uh, you, yeah, you're on Twitter, so much right? For having how, me on, I've, I've really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, how can people connect with you directly? Um, right they could uh, connect through my Facebook <laughs> page. It's just uh, yep, it's Joshua Ermler. And then on Twitter, it's uh, Joshua Ermler as well. The last name is spelled I-R-M-L-E-R. And so I'd love to, love to connect there. Perfect. Thanks so much for being on the show. And thank you for listening. Make sure that you rate, review, and subscribe on iTunes, Deezer, wherever it is that you listen to podcasts. Make sure that you are letting other people know about it. And we do want to hear your opinions on twitter.com slash EST Church. And that's all the time we have for today. We'll check you next week. You've been listening to EST, a discussion for the established church. Make sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, as well as subscribe, rate, and review on iTunes, Google Play, or your favorite podcatcher. Thanks for listening.